Well, good morning. It is a good day. I was walking from the 815 service and the music was going on and I walked through the Cup of Hope uh, and the youth band was practicing and they were singing songs of their faith in Jesus and I rolled in here and they were practicing. This was about 910 this morning. I was a little early because the sermon was shorted at 15. Don't get your hopes up. And I got in here and uh, we were, they were practicing, He Will Hold Me Fast. And I just thought, you know, this is pretty remarkable to kind of see that rolling through just wherever you go in the building and to have the praise choir back for the first time since the pandemic. How about that? Pretty wonderful. And to, um, you know, to see you all, you know, just it got me thinking. One of the things that we did during the pandemic was restructure a little bit, noticing how hard it is to kind of, kind of keep everybody watched over well, we changed some things. And one of the things we did was create discipleship teams uh, with our staff uh, in each service. And Pastor Joe is uh, our discipleship pastor for 930. And Pastor Joe, we're going to give some props to you doing a great job in that role. And I hope you are uh, feeling connected. And, uh, and he and Martha, who, who serves on that uh, w- with him, and Martha's taken a little bit more of a connectional role uh, w- with you all as a worship leader. Those kinds of steps, I think, are important as we're trying to figure out how to put our lives back together and put our church back together and to build community and to have a sense that God is at work. And so this series, as we start today, is a series on prayer. Because the other thing we've done uh, is put together a, a prayer team for each of our service uh, services and have worked hard, not that we didn't before, but you just always are, are trying to do this uh, for the moment uh, to make sure everything is grounded and founded and, and held up in prayer. And so some of our prayer team are here with us, but we want to thank you all as well for that unseen role <clears throat> that you play with us. We have Trunk or Treat tonight. Uh, it is going to be a challenge to get all the cars in this building, but we're going to try, so get here early for that. Tri- tri- obviously, we're not going to do that, but it'll still, it'll still be fun. It's, uh, the people are what make that event, and I promise to, to show up in a Big Bird costume, so you, you got that as well. Maybe that is not an advertisement to come, but um, nevertheless. And we're talking about prayer, and uh, in this series, I want us to be able to be honest about it, uh, about what it is and what it is and how it works, and so we're calling this the prayers of the people, is the kinds of prayers that we find ourselves praying Not necessarily the prayers that we should pray, not the prayers that we learn to pray, though there is a place for that. We're talking about the kinds of prayers that we just inevitably pray, and we're going to figure out what that means about our relationship with God. Uh, A pastor was in his study Saturday night before Sunday morning when the preparations were over praying, and uh, his five-year-old daughter noticed that. And, And when he was done, she went up to her dad and said, Daddy, why were you praying? And he said, well, honey, I pray every Saturday night for Sunday morning. I pray for the sermon. I pray that it will be exciting and engaging, and I pray that everybody will have a sense that, that God is speaking to them, and I pray that it will go well. And she said, well, honey, or she said, Dad, um, why doesn't God always answer your prayers? <laughs> so we're like, that's, that's where we're living, right? Like, uh, we, one of the most common prayers that we pray. Maybe a a prayer that kind of is over all of our prayers is that simple prayer, help. Help me. And we all pray it. It is not necessarily a a prayer that that we even have to be taught to pray. It just comes out sometimes. Like the night of the tornado, Uh, we were in our closet uh, and the tornado hit 
uh, and my daughter just burst out in a very raw, out loud kind of prayer. I found out later that my neighbor, 100 yards away, uh, I found out from his wife that he was praying in the same moment, was praying over his family and finding words and passion that, that she had never heard. She said he prayed like a black preacher in the closet. Uh, yeah, we don't always have to be taught these kinds of prayers. The prayer for help is one of our most primal, our most human, and it tells us something about being human. You've all prayed it. We have all probably prayed it in one way or another. When I was uh, in eighth grade, my parents had been uh, fighting a lot. And uh, one night we were at our family business working late as we were doing a lot, which was, I think was part of, part of what was going on there, money stress, business stress. And they were fighting. It was, it was dark, I remember. I don't know, it was late. And uh, they went to their different parts of the property. And I went, my mom was crying. I said, what's going on? She said, I think we're going to get a divorce. And I went into the bathroom of our business and shut the door. And I prayed for God to help. My parents didn't divorce then. Uh, it was years later than they, they eventually did. And I often wonder, like, where does that prayer fit into the mix of how it all works? That prayer for God to help, did, did, did that somehow delay things? It, it, I, I, truthfully, I, I, I don't know. I want to talk about how that, that kind of prayer, though, and that kind of orientation toward God is, is important to, to keep praying those prayers. And, um, you know, as I thought about how to be honest about that, that experience in my life, where I've, I've thought a lot about where I have prayed for help and what I think happened in that moment, I would say this, like some of those times I, in, in a prayer for, for myself or for my family or a prayer for you, because this prayer for help is kind of an everyday thing in our life together, there's always somebody who needs that prayer. Uh, it's a daily thing. I feel like sometimes it just seems so clear that something happened. And it isn't necessarily that the outcome was what we prayed for. It might be that. But there was just a clear sense that with that, even, there were, God, God had done something. And people talk about feeling prayed for and felt like God was in it. And at the same time, if I'm honest, there are times where we've prayed that prayer, I've prayed that prayer. And it wasn't just that the outcome wasn't what we hoped it would be, though it wasn't. But there was also a sense that we don't know where God is in it. Didn't feel a thing. And I think we would all be lying. And sometimes in the church, we try to pretend like we don't have that experience. And we should be honest that we do. St. John of the Cross calls it the dark night. Or we've uh, come to know that as the dark night of the soul. Which isn't just that the thing didn't work out. And it isn't just that God seemed quiet or absent radio silence. It's that somehow, even in the midst of that, our faith can deepen. And that prayer for help gets us there. It gets us to that place where we, maybe it's our, the, the thing that we lose if we're not careful. The, the, the understanding that we are people who need help. And we spend a lot of time pretending like we don't. The prayer for help kind of sneaks out of us sometimes and puts us right back in that very vulnerable human place where we all live. Think about the times that you have tried to do life on your own and didn't want to ask for help. 
because we all like to be, in some sense, the person that helps somebody else, right? Uh, and I hear this all the time. I don't want to be needy. I don't want to be a needy church member. I don't want to be a needy staff member. I didn't need to ask for help. Well, you should have asked for help because that's what we're here for. Uh, it, it's easy to live like we don't need God and we don't leave each other, need each other. It's sort of the American way in a sense. Like we got this covered and then we'll ask for help if we need it. I, I got to thinking about all the times in my life where that didn't work out so well for me. And that's a whole other sermon, by the way, right? Like it would take too long to go through the list of times Like one time I was in the kitchen, remodeling our kitchen, I was putting up drywall and I spent half an hour cutting out everything perfectly. I've since realized you don't have to do it that way, but I was an amateur. So I spent 30 minutes getting this piece of of, of drywall, I don't know if I said plywood, drywall, uh, up on the wall and had it all perfect. And I put it up and it fit and I was so proud of myself. And then I realized that the tool I needed was just out of reach. So I, what I did was, like, I, I thought I was going to be like the flash. I'm a lot slower than I realized, right? So I was like, grab the tool, go back. And as I went back, it was as if I was just, you know, like, my shoulder was punching the, 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 the drywall. And it broke over my shoulder and then over my head. Um, what I said next would not necessarily count as a prayer, I don't think. <laughs> and I had to ask for help. And some friends came over, and they helped me put up the drywall. I remember a time when we were adopting our daughter, Sarah Grace. Uh, this would be 16 or so years ago. And we were going to do a fundraiser. Uh, we, we barbecued chicken in Owensboro. And the reason uh, we did that is because we know how. And, it's in, and we're, we're, we're good at barbecue. Uh, in fact, there's a spot on Highway 54 where they set up where you can kind of rent a spot and cook um, the barbecue as a fundraiser. People, you, I don't think they still do this, but at the time you could just, you know, kind of reserve the spot and the smoke would go across the road and that was all the advertisement you needed. People would see it, smell it, and come, come for it. So we got the chickens. I went and picked them up. They were frozen, so I put them in the church refrigerator. I was going to be gone for the week and I came back to expect all those chickens to have thawed out and they were still frozen and you can't barbecue frozen chicken right so um, I don't think the health department would approve but I spent the night with those boxes of chicken in my pickup truck bed in my garage moving them around to help them thaw out just right and they were just about thawed and um, I called my father-in-law and said he he was going to light the fires and I said light the fires here I come with the chicken and I put up the garage door and the rain started I mean, like, poured. He had just lit the fires, and then the rain put them out. So I drove over there, and we were pouring diesel fuel, trying to, you know, do whatever we could. The chickens turned out great, by the way. You wouldn't, you wouldn't know it. Um, and uh, it took hours. There were a couple hours of that where the rain just wouldn't stop, and we, you can't cook a chicken without I mean, They were all going to go bad. I was losing it. Uh, and there was a tent we had set up to stay out of the rain, and I sat down. Just as I did, you know how the water collects in the tent? It just all over me. And I went, I'm done. I give up. Help. And something clicked. It was as if God said, well, now you can start to enjoy yourself. And you know that day we raised $2,400 for that uh, adoption. And I thought that was what the day was about. But I think the, the greater skill was that moment of surrender that you need as a parent. Right? Especially if you're going to have three kids, you're going to have to learn it. That was my lesson. I think that's the one that has carried through to this day. 
This prayer for help is all throughout the scriptures. The Psalms are full of prayers about God's help, about our need for help. Psalm 121, I lift my eyes to the hills. Is this where my help comes from? I think is the best translation of that. No, my help is from the Lord, the one who makes, the one who made heaven and earth. Psalm 46, God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in time of trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. You know, there's a reason these prayers are in there. Because <laughs> somebody needed to pray them. And often it's, it's us. It's because we all get there. These prayers are about this universal human need this this point that we all get to that is beyond our ability to handle it you know um, mother Teresa sort of famously said I know God will not give me more than I can handle I just wish he didn't trust me so much but I think what she's really saying is that life does in fact get out of our ability to handle it it does feel out of control or it feels like we pray and we don't hear anything back we live like we don't need help, but in fact, we, we do. It's just part of being human. We will, in some way or another, get beyond ourselves. We'll get ourselves into trouble. Life will hand us uh, a big dose uh, of, of struggle. And our prayers for help keep us connected to that in a way. And they bring up the question of whether God can be trusted. This very basic thing, who are we praying to? <laughs> And what does that mean? This is true of the story of King Hezekiah. King Hezekiah was king over Israel, the divided kingdom, the southern kingdom of Judah, in one of the most challenging times in their history. There were a lot of challenging times, in fact. But this is uh, certainly one of those. He was, uh, he was made king. He became king when he was 25 years old. <clears throat> and he reigned for 29 years. And he reigned in a time when Assyria was uh, messing around in the region, and Assyria does not play. They, they're tough. Hezekiah was known for his trust in God and for being a bright spot in the lineage of kings, several of which who were, were duds, including his own father. Hezekiah, his name means God is my strength. Young Hezekiah was known for reforming religion in the southern kingdom of Judah, for bringing down the places of, of worship of other gods and consolidating worship of the one God, the one true God. And so here's the context. He's, he has done so many things right. He is trustworthy. He is holy. And stuff starts falling apart. The wheels start coming off. Assyria attacks, and very early in his reign, the northern kingdom of Israel falls. And then Assyria turns to the southern kingdom and starts to look at him and starts to look at them and put pressure. And so Hezekiah's sort of work in that, trying to, to be a, work some dip, diplomatic means and it doesn't work. He, uh, so then he gives them, they're, they're asking for high taxes, he gives them the, the temple treasury, all the silver, all the gold, to the point of stripping the gold off the doorposts and the doors in the temple. He's done everything he can do. And in that moment where he has laid it all out for them, they, they come and they siege Jerusalem. That's the context of today's prayer. It is a prayer for help. 
Uh, in fact, there is <clears throat> correspondence between Assyria and, uh, and Israel. In fact, in Judah, there's this almost war of words, this propaganda thing that Assyria has going because Assyria, they're mean. They, 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 will, they, they will take you down, but that takes some effort. So once you do that some, all you have to do is incite terror in people and, and be ready to back it up. But that war of words, that propaganda was designed to, to split the people, to, to tear them down. It was an, a campaign of terror. And at the heart of that, is to bring down their God, to take away their trust in God so that they can be assimilated, annihilated. And so that is where we find King Hezekiah. As we read 2 Kings 19.10, in that war of words going back and forth, here's the message. Say to King Hezekiah of Judah, do not let the God you depend on deceive you. When he says, Jerusalem will not be given into the hands of the king of Assyria. Surely you have heard what the kings of Assyria have done to all of the countries, destroying them completely. And will you be delivered? Did the gods of the nations that were destroyed by, the predecessor, prede, your, by my predecessors deliver them? You know, the implication here is that Assyria, this very strong, dominant world power, is actually more powerful than God. And that's, of course, a whole other level, isn't it? <clears throat> what, what's being questioned is the very foundations of, of their life together, their, their story as a people, their trust in God to be the God, not just of them, but of the whole world. The foundations of their faith, and so the foundations of everything. Can they trust this God? The king of Assyria is saying, no, you can't, and in fact, I'm stronger than that. It sort of reminds me of the sort of famous story of General Joseph Hooker in the Civil War battle of Chancellorsville, who said famously, and to his demise, that even God Almighty couldn't prevent him from victory. Don't say that, right? That's what the king of Assyria is saying. Even God himself can't stop us. And truthfully, it looked like that. From every external vantage point, Israel, is Judah, is toast. Hezekiah's prayer for help in today's passage comes from that place of utter powerlessness, when it looks like there are no other options. There's no way to buy him his way out. There are no more allies who could stand with them. There are no military options. Now, in case you don't know the story, what ends up happening in, is that the, the, the troops don't attack. That under the cover of night, a death angel visits the Assyrian military encampment, and the story tells 185 soldiers died. This story is a lot like any of those other nations, it's not just a matter of Hezekiah's prayer being answered, but a matter of this dominant force trying to wipe the people of God off the face of the planet. That's the context, and it's happened before, right? It happened at the Red Sea when the Egyptians would just not relent, and God makes a way for the people of God to part through the waters, and the Israelites go and the Egyptians follow. It doesn't end well if you keep pushing and claiming your power 
over God. It makes me think of uh, another prophetic story, King Ahab and Jezebel and the prophets of, of Baal who are blaspheming God. And Elijah says, that's not going to end well, and it doesn't. In these cases and more, when those folks who think they are so powerful and don't need any help get too big for themselves and then think they are bigger than God, they find out they're wrong. But you know, the point is not just that Hezekiah prayed and it worked out for him. I think you could tell this story that way and we could have a nice sermon on prayer, honestly. He prayed and it worked out. But you know, that resolution of the story is a very small part of it. It's the thing that we will live in tension with. Sometimes it works out in, in the way we think it should and sometimes it doesn't. But what the, the whole story is about is this, this question of whether you can trust God. And when everything it seems like is saying, no, actually, no, you can't. When everything in life looks like it is stacking up and you've done everything you can do and, and, and then it's not enough. We live in a world where the odds are often stacked against us. And if we could see past the veil to the other side, we probably wouldn't be freaked out to know how much we teeter just on the edge that there are Syrians all around. I think this is a story about someone who did everything right and prayed, and it still looked like it wasn't going to be enough. Because Hezekiah doesn't know how the story's going to end. That's the privilege that we have. But in the moment, what does it feel like? It feels like being completely out of control. It feels like being powerless to forces that are bigger than us. This is certainly not a story about someone who prayed for help, got what they wanted, and then went on living their own life, doing their own thing. God, I'm good now. It's definitely not a story about prayer as a transaction between us and God. Okay, we got that covered. We can go about our business. It's not a story about using pray prayer as a way to control situations or even God. It is a story about how even when we are faithful, most of us will get to the end of our abilities. And our temptation will be to freak out. And this is our prayer for help. That is that very human prayer. Help. When we don't know what's going to happen next. It is about our deep need to find trust even then. And so maybe, maybe this prayer for help is actually a doorway into a deeper life. Say it another way, maybe that, that prayer for help that creeps out of us, even when we don't know what it means and we don't know if it works, what if that is a more honest way of living? Prayer isn't a way for us to kind of get everything under control and then we don't have to like be vulnerable, we don't have to open ourselves up. No, in fact, just the opposite. It's a way to live honestly, knowing that we are human and that all the wheels can fall off and the, the mountains can fall into the heart of the sea, as the psalm says. Or it can look like there are no other options in life. And we do a lot of things in life not to ask for help and not to, to be the kind of people who need help. And, and it's not working for us. Our prayer for help is a way just to be more honest about life. We are people who will always be in some level of need. And it's not just when things are bad. It's also when things are good. It's also when it looks like we've got everything covered and everything is fine. 
Even in that moment, we are human. We are vulnerable. We are people who have great need. Maybe we should just admit it. Maybe we should act like it. Maybe we should learn to live in deep dependence of God and one another. No need to self-protect. No need to defend. No need to control. No need to pretend. You know, the story of Christ actually is, is that, that God meets us at this very point of our humanness in our vulnerability in that place where we learn just how powerless we really are that that's the point of contact the, the point of divine human contact and so I, I'm, I would imagine that there is someone probably all of us who are praying that prayer today help we don't even know what it means we don't know what, how it works. Um, and maybe it's a prayer we all ought to get in touch with a little bit. So in a moment, I'm going to have our, actually I'll have our musicians come forward and have, uh, we're going to have some time of prayer. But as we do, I just invite you to kind of get in a prayer posture and to close your eyes and just for a second, imagine the situation, the circumstance, the person in your life where this is your prayer. The, the very simple prayer for God to help. And as you make this now pretty specific and real, I invite you just in the silence of your heart to, to pray that prayer over the situation, the person, the circumstance, just in the silence of your heart, to not have to have it figured out and not to get it all together and then come to God in prayer, but, but in the very humanness of not knowing, just say help. And even praying the prayer is an act of trust. Even having the courage to pray it, not knowing how and if it will be answered in the way that we will ever see, is an act of trust. Help. God, help. And as our worship uh, team leads us, our our leaders are going to lead us into a time of prayer in which we pray the prayers of the people and make this our prayer for us and for our church and for our world as we continue in worship.